verses out of Second uh, Chronicles. And when was the last time you read all of Second Chronicles, right? Uh, and Second um, Chronicles is you got First and Second Samuel, which is kind of the life of David, and then you got First and Second Kings, uh, which is the life of all the kings after David, uh, and then you got First and Second Chronicles, which is sort of the, similar to First and Second Kings, tells the history of the kings uh, in um, in Israel. They got a slightly different uh, tone and, and information that they share. Uh, but uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 30, uh, this is the story of Hezekiah. So Hezekiah is one of the uh, slightly above average kings, right? After David, things kind of went downhill and had some okay kings, some pretty good kings, uh, and then some terrible kings because a lot of them, they said it's all they would say about the king, and this king did evil in the sight of the Lord, and that's it, and then he died. And so <laughs> it was not a lot of great kings, but some of them were pretty good. And Hezekiah was pretty good. He had some failings there, uh, but... Uh, Oftentimes, they would have a revival when a new king would come along if he followed the Lord, and they would find the law of God in the temple, and, hey, well, let's do this. And, uh, and so they were uh, doing, um, uh, they decided to, to celebrate Passover because uh, they hadn't done that in many years. Uh, and so, of course, when you celebrate the Passover, you've got all kinds of requirements, right? You've got to be clean, right? You've got to do this, uh, uh, have ceremony and cleansing in your life and um, uh, kill the kill the lamb and, and uh, eat the herbs and all of those things. Uh, but they didn't know all the law, right? They just knew about Passover, and so they didn't, they, a lot of the people didn't follow all the, all the specific requirements. And, and especially in the Old Testament, if you did something and violated the law, a lot of times it was death, right? It wasn't just like, oh, let's do better next time. You know, it's like, oh, you messed up, you know, off with your head. Uh, and so uh, it, it was tough being a Jew in the Old Covenant because there was a lot of things. You commit adultery off with your head, right? Or usually it would stone you, uh, which would be really painful until you died. And so, um, so uh, they, were, they were celebrating Passover, uh, but it says here in verse uh, 17, this is Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 17, it says, For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore, the, the Levites had the charge of the killing of the Passover for everyone that was not claimed to sanctify them unto the Lord. Now, for a multitude of the people... Even many of Ephraim and of Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves. Yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah the king prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of our fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Uh, and and this, this verse just it's always meant something to me because you know, the people, they, they weren't trying to do wrong. They weren't trying to do right. And they, they were mostly ignorant of all the details of the law, all the jot and tittle of the law. Uh, and they just wanted to celebrate Passover, but they weren't doing it exactly right. Uh, and it's because it, they were under the law, it was required you had to do exactly according to these instructions. Uh, and, and normally this would result in many of the people, you know, uh, you go back to Moses' time when they would do things wrong. And uh, the Bible would say, you know, the earth opened up and ate a bunch of them. Uh, and so, but here the king prayed to the Lord to, to pardon one. I like the way he said that, to pardon them. Uh, and it says, and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah. You know, you, you have a big part to play in other people's lives. You know, even when you see people doing wrong, you have the ability to pray for the Lord to have mercy upon them, even though you know what they're doing is wrong. And Hezekiah did this. Uh, now, you know, in this case, they were doing wrong out of ignorance, but sometimes it, it doesn't limit to that. 
you have the capacity to pray. In the New Testament, we can go over to, to 1 John chapter 5 and see that if you see your brother in a fault, pray for one. Pray for your brother who, who's, who's in a fault, and the Lord will grant him life. Uh, we have a lot more uh, influence in the area of prayer than we probably realize. So the king prayed, and the Bible says the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah. You know, oftentimes the Lord is waiting for us to pray to have something to hearken to. Uh, uh, and a lot of times things don't get done because the Lord's like, I wanted to do something, but nobody prayed. I wanted to extend mercy, but nobody prayed. Uh, and I wanted to hearken to the prayers of my people, but nobody prayed. Uh, and so uh, this was one man prayed for a multitude of the people, and the Lord hearkened to him and, and granted mercy to a multitude of people. You have a great ability to pray more than you think. Amen. Don't ever sell yourself short. Well, who am I? Uh, you're the one person the Lord is looking to pray. You could be the very one that, that results in mercy being extended to a great multitude. Amen. Uh, you know, a lot of people, even uh, during the 2020 election, I was talking to ministers. And they were praying. Uh, in fact, you know, some of the Old Testament prayers you know, where they said, uh, and I don't even know where it's at. I have to guess I have to go look it up. I don't really care where it's at because I'm not going to pray this way. You know, but they said, Lord, break their teeth. I mean, you know, you want a bad, bunch of bad uh, dental stuff going on? I mean, is that, do we pray that way? We don't pray that way. Uh, that, that's old covenant prayer, first of all. We pray for the mercy and the grace of the Lord. Amen. We, uh, and so, uh, but these were ministers. You know, how, you, how do you fix that? I mean, how do you fix a minister that doesn't even know how to pray? Right? Uh, how do you fix someone who, who's praying Old Testament, uh, they're called imprecatory prayers, Prayers against people, right? Prayers to harm people. Pray, Lord, eat them. You know, swallow them up. You know, kill them all and burn the rest. Uh, you know, it's not how we pray. Amen? Jesus has come and died for all the sins of the world. Mercy and grace is to be extended until people choose to accept the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so that doesn't mean that we overlook a, a sin. It doesn't mean we, we accept sin. Uh, but we pray for the mercy of the Lord. Amen? Uh, and, you know, sometimes the Lord can't extend mercy. But that's on him. That's not on me. I'm not... Uh, for me, it's, Lord, if you can extend mercy, I'm asking you to extend mercy. And sometimes he'll tell you, I can't. But uh, it's worth a shot. And, and if he doesn't tell me he can't, I will pray mercy. And if he's, even if he tells me he can't, I might st still see how far I can push it. Amen. Uh, Moses pushed it all the way. You know, no, you're not doing that, Lord. Abraham pushed it all the way. No, you're not doing that, Lord. Uh, and so I'll push it until the Lord said, don't say anything about it to me again. One, one time the Lord fussed at Brother Randy he was praying for the election. He said, don't you pray another prayer like that at all. Uh, people have made a decision. And, and so sometimes when people's hearts are fixed, the Lord can't move. But until he says that, I will pray mercy. Amen. Uh, and, I will, and I will use the example of Hezekiah. He prayed for the people, the multitude of people, uh, the, the abundance of people there. And mercy was extended to him so they could still celebrate the Lord. Uh, amen. And uh, are there dumb things being done in church today? There's so many dumb things being done in church today that it's against the plan and will of God. Well, the Lord can still extend mercy towards those people. Amen. You know, a lot of people get up and just so mean to everybody in the church. It's not just like them. Well, you know, assuming that you're right, and I don't know if that's always a valid assumption or not. Why don't you pray to help those other people? Amen. Uh, you don't have to accept them, but you can pray for them. Amen. Instead of uh, preaching hard against them, Lord, burn them all up. You know, eat. what are we, Old Testament? Uh, you know, this little thing happened on the cross called the Lord Jesus died for everybody. Amen. Uh, let's allow that to happen. So uh, you have great uh, ability in your prayer life to pray for those who are not perfect. Amen. Uh, and, of course, James says that uh, uh, 
he will give mercy to those who have shown mercy. Amen. Uh, and so I want to have a bank account of mercy when I, when I need it. Uh, when I need mercy, I don't want the Lord to say, well, you've never shown mercy to anybody else. Why should I give it to you? I want the Lord to say, hey, oh, hang on. Oh, let me check your account. Oh, yeah, you've got all kinds of mercy. You've extended people. Here, let me just give you some of that. Uh, that's what I want the Lord to say to me. Amen. Uh, if you, now, if you're, maybe you're better than me, right? Maybe you don't ever need mercy. Amen. If you don't ever need mercy, just burn all the, you know, burn everybody, right? Pray, you know. Uh, but um, I don't think that's ever going to happen where nobody ever needs mercy. Amen. Uh, and so if you want to live that way, praise God, you know, you're a better man than I am. But uh, I, I really doubt that's actually going to happen. So let's use the, the example of Hezekiah. Lord, uh, uh, he said, Lord, the good Lord pardon everyone. Well, that's a good way to pray, right? The good Lord pardon everyone. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute. And we'll get into praise and worship. Thank you, Father. We are so thankful, Father, for that which you've done for us, for that which you've given to us, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We will enter your gates, Father, with thanksgiving. We are so thankful, Father, for that which you've done for us. And Father, we choose to live up to that which you've done for us. To not think little of it. To not think light of it, Father. We will pursue that which you've done for us with all that's within us, Father. We thank you, Father. Your grace will be with us every step of the way, every day, all day long, Father. Your grace will be there for us. We thank you, Father, for the grace of Almighty God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we give you praise for these things and honor for them, Lord. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is there something about that name, right? Oh, yeah. That name yeah. of Jesus? Amen. The Bible said that name is above every name. So is there any name that's above the name of Jesus? Well, God couldn't come through because, you know, tax man said this or the government said that. You know, the, the government is, is a, a small player in all of creation. Amen. Um, and so uh, we have the great name of, of Jesus that's available to us. And um, best thing is don't mess with the church, right? Uh, don't mess with the church that knows about faith. Amen. Don't mess with the church when they know about the name of Jesus. Uh, and so we're thankful for the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 7. We'll continue there today. <clears throat> And we have been going through, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we, are we in any hurry to get it done? We're not in any hurry to get it done. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we, we will continue here. Uh, of course, Brother Randy was with us last week. And um, we'd gotten to uh, uh, verse 7. And uh, there's just one other thing I wanted to, to bring out about this. And maybe we covered it, but it's, it, since it felt good to me to, to kind of reiterate a uh, point here. Uh, but here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, of course, this is the Lord Jesus uh, speaking to us and teaching us. 
He said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And these, are, these to me are such good example scriptures to explain to us and teach us how the Lord wants us to operate in relation to him. Uh, and how many times have you heard people say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Well, why, do, why are we so uh, dead set uh, to change what the word of God says? Because it doesn't say that. It says I have responsibility and my responsibility is to ask. And the implication is, if I don't ask, then there's nothing to give to me. He says, if I ask, then it will be given unto me. What implies that if I don't ask, it won't be given unto me. So how is that, how is that thought that if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me? Where, where do they even come from? And why is there such a, a, a desire to remove all faith out of the word of God? Because this requires faith for you to ask, right? Because the faith is, well, Lord, if I do what you said, then you'll do what, you'll, what you said you would do. That's faith, right? If I do what the Word of God says, which is to ask, then the Lord will respond the way that He said He would respond, which is to give. And that's, that's the basis of faith. Uh, it requires no faith to do nothing. Well, if God wants me to have it, He'll give it to me. There's no faith in that. There's no faith that's necessary for that. Because God can, and on a, on a rare occasion, He does sovereignly move in, on our behalf and grant us things on occasion when He wants to, because He's a loving Father, and sometimes He'll do that because He cares about us. But that's not what the instructions the master, the head of the church, gave to us as the church. He said, I want you to ask. And if you'll ask, then I'll, I will respond. And I'm waiting for you to ask to have something to respond to. And then he says, seek and you'll find. Well, uh, if he wants me to, to, to know what's going on, he'll show it to me. That's not what he says. He said, you have effort that I need you to put forth to do some seeking. And, and I, just, I just don't know God. I just wish I could know God like you know God. Well, when was the last time you talked to him and sought for him to reveal himself to you? Well, I just figured if he wanted me to, he would. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. It's embarrassing that you would even say that because it's not even close to what it says. These are well-known verses, right? Ask and you shall receive, amen? This is not like, wow, nobody's ever seen that before. Now, I remember when I got saved, I, I was reading the Bible. You know, I got to Joshua 1.8, right? Everybody knows Joshua. I thought, nobody's ever read this before in their life, right? John 3.16. Nobody's ever read John 3.16. I didn't know it was a thing, right? You don't know things are things until you know they're a thing. Uh, and so this has been around for a long time. How long has it been around? Well, 2,000 years. And, and this is the prescription the Lord has given to us. This, this is the way I want to relate to my church. I want to respond to what you desire. And if you, if you don't voice your desire, if you don't ask for your desire to be fulfilled, there's nothing for me to do. And, and that's the way, now who's saying this? This is the Lord Jesus. This is not even Paul. Or Of course, if Paul said it, it's still inspired by the Spirit of God. But sometimes we don't give as much weight to what Paul said as Jesus. We should because it's still Jesus speaking through Paul. But, but here, the Lord Jesus himself is saying, here's how I want to relate to the world, to the church, right? Not to the world because the world, the world can, all they, all they can ask for is to be saved. And that's fine. He will respond to everyone who asks to be saved. But here he said, for the people of God, I want you to ask. And if you'll ask, I'll give it to you. Well, you mean just ask for anything? It's like, you know, I'm going to ask for a billion trillion dollars. Well, I mean, that's fine, but you don't even know how many zeros that is anyway. You're making it up anyway. But, but see, the implication here, like it is with all verses, is do you believe that what you ask for, you'll receive? And so if you want to pray for a, a, a billion trillion dollars, well, if you have faith for that, if you believe that God will grant that to you, then yeah, you can pray that. 
But the, the, that's not what they say. They just think, if I just say the words without me be- believing in, that, in the words that I'm saying, that God will respond. It doesn't work that way. It's when, you're, when you ask in faith, that when you ask, because you, you don't just take scriptures out of context, you look at the whole counsel of God. And, and Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, what things ever you desire, when you pray, so that's what he's talking about, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So you have to infuse faith in your asking. You can't just ask, well, Lord, I want a pink elephant. You don't believe God's going to give you a pink elephant. You don't have any faith for a pink elephant because you know pink elephants don't exist. You're just being, you're, you're being presumptuous and, and you're just trying to make a fool of the Lord. And the Lord's like, you know, the Lord does what, he just yawns when people do stuff like that. It's like, that's so boring. You're so, you think you're so smart and so intelligent. I just ask for something impossible. You know, I'm asking for the Lord to give me everything that's ever was uh, to, and, and to show you that it doesn't work. Well, you don't have faith that he's going to give you everything there ever was. So if you have no faith, the Lord's got nothing to respond to. So I'm not impressed with your, with your boring lack of faith. Amen? Because people will try to put the church in hypothetical situations. Well, then you can just ask for, just ask for one time for a billion dollars, and you don't ever have to ask for anything ever again. Well, you don't believe God will give you a billion dollars. You don't have faith for that. You're just being presumptuous. And, and you're being disrespectful to the Lord. Amen? Uh, and, uh, you, well, you know, if he was real... He is real. Well, how do you know he's real? Because he's on the inside of me, and he reveals himself to me every day. Uh, and so, well, I can't see it. I don't care. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not required to prove that God exists to you. He already said that his, his very nature, the things he created outside this building, prove that he exists. So I don't have to prove that he exists to you. You already know because you're a spirit being. Every person on the earth is a spirit being. And every person on the earth knows he exists. They may not know how to find him yet because a man hasn't preached to him, but they know he exists. And so, you know, these, oh, I don't know he exists. Yeah, you do. You know, people lie about it all the time. Oh, you know, you, yeah, you know, he exists. You know he exists uh, because you are a spirit being. Your spirit was created by God. Amen. Your flesh was created uh, by a combination of the DNA from your mom and dad. Uh, and there's only a, a mom and dad, right? There's never two moms, never two dads. It's only ever a mom and dad, right? Uh, we shouldn't have to re- repeat high school biology for the world, even though they skipped all of, apparently, a bi- uh, high school biology. Amen? That's a whole different discussion there. Uh, but he said, ask. And so I have responsibility. I have a part to play in this, this covenant relationship with the Lord. I have my part to play. He has his part to play. If I don't do my part, he is unable to do his part because our part comes before his part. Now, his part came first in the sense that he laid down the promise uh, and then he handed that promise to us. If you will execute this promise, I will respond accordingly. Just same thing, like he went to the cross, died. Who did he die for? Everybody on the world. Anybody in the world he didn't die for? Now, there may be a few people in the world you wish he didn't die for, right? Well, Lord, I don't want him to make it. Well, I mean, that's between you and the Lord. You know, you shouldn't think that way. But, some, there, you know, I'm sure everybody's got a list. Lord, I want you to save everybody. Well, except for that guy, right? That guy, you know, it'd be okay if you skip over him. Well, no, the Lord died for everybody. So that means everybody gets to go to heaven? No. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. What if you don't call upon the name of the Lord? That's the covenant he gave us. If you do this, I will do that. And you'll find nearly every promise in the word of God is if you'll do this, I'll do that. And the if is only on my side. If I will ask, what if I don't ask? Well, then there's nothing to do. It didn't say always ask and if I feel like it, I will respond. It, it never says that. It always says, if you'll ask, 
I will respond always in the same exact way to give you exactly what you want. Now, the, the, of course, the asking has to be done in faith. Do you believe that God's going to give you what you ask for? I, I hope so. Well, that's not faith. We, we're not in a hope so situation. We have to believe that if God declared this to be so, that it's so. If God declared that if I ask, he will give me, then, then, I, then I have to believe that that's so. That's what Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, right? What things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So if you don't do the believing part, well, I did the asking part. What well, do you think you're going to get it? I don't know. 50-50, probably not. Well, then it doesn't work. It, you know, you can't just make it up and just, well, I, I, Lord, I, I know your words got that, but I don't like this word. I, Lord, I, I want you to give me a special deal where I don't really have to have faith. That if you just kind of, you know, if I just kind of want something, even though I shouldn't have it, or even though I don't believe you'll give it to me, I want you to give it to me anyway. Well, no. He's the, he's, who, who makes the rules? The Lord makes the rules. Well, I don't like that rule. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we play board games at home, you know, and, and um, you know, sometimes we like to change the rules on the board game. Well, you don't want to like that. It's a dumb rule, right? You know, change that rule. Well, that's fine, right? That's not an absolute. The Word of God is absolute. You can't change the rules. Amen. Uh, amen? I know when I was, uh, I was like 12, 13 years old, we had a cousin uh, uh, living with us. Uh, actually, let's see, he was my, my brother's son, so he was my nephew, uh, but he was nearly, nearly my age anyway. Uh, and so we were playing board games, and, and um, of course, it, uh, he didn't like it because he wasn't playing by the rules. And we said, well, you, you can't do that. The rules say, well, you just made up that rule. I didn't make up the rule. It's, it's always been the rule, but, you know, just because you don't know the rule, it's not my problem. And he got mad, threw the whole board up, you know. And then, and then that really fixed everything, right? And so that solved it, right? Uh, well, if you don't like the rules, it's not, it's just too bad. That's the rules. Our job is to search the Word of God, find out what the rules are, and play by those rules, and don't make up any other rules. Amen? Now, and that's what a person of faith will do. I, I'm scouring the Word of God every day. Lord, what's, your, what's the rules? If, if this is a rule, then I, then, then I have a right to say, well, Lord, you said if I ask that you'd give it to me. Yes. He, he never gets offended when you, say, when, you, when you tell him what his Word says. In fact, he said, put me in remembrance. Right. Amen. Our job is to say, Lord, you said if I ask, yes. it'd be given unto me. And I'm asking for this thing. And this thing is, is important to me. And, it, and there's, no, there's no carnality in it. There's no selfishness in it. I, I need this thing. And I'm asking you for this thing. And there's no limit on this thing. It's whatever you can believe God for. Amen. And whatever you can sincerely believe God for. Not in a pretentious and presumptuous way, but in a way that you really believe that this is something that, that you desire, want, and it's not violating any other principles of the Word of God. But if you live that way, there's a lot of things you can pray for. A lot of things you can ask for. That's still within the constraints of the Word of God. Uh, and, and our job is to do our part. We are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And he is waiting on us to ask. He's waiting on us to seek. He's waiting on us to knock. Uh, we have the first part to play in that. If we don't do any asking or seeking or knocking, there's nothing for the Lord to do. And people, well, the Lord never does anything for me. Well, when was the last time you asked him to do something? Well, I just figured if you want me to have it, you know. Sometimes I wonder about the church, how we even made it this far. You know, I, I, sometimes I, I, you read the Old Covenant and you think it's a, it's a miracle beyond miracles that Jesus ever made it to the earth because he came through a bloodline of people, right? He goes, you go back to the Gospels, you can read the, the, the lineage of Jesus from Adam all the way up to Joseph and Mary. How in the world he made it, it's just a miracle by itself, right? I mean, he's got, if you look at that line of people, they weren't all the saints of God, right? I mean, they weren't all the best people in the world. You got Tamar, you got, uh, you got Bathsheba in there, 
You got Rahab the harlot. You know, I mean, you got like the worst people in there, right? People who were involved in incest and, and, and idolatry and, and, and uh, 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 the oldest profession, right? Uh, and doing all kinds of terrible things, murder and lying and cheating and stealing. And it, somehow Jesus made it to the earth in spite of all of that. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's just a miracle. Uh, the, the, and it's a miracle that the church has made it this far with, with some of the crazy things that we think about and, and philosophies that don't even line up with the word of God. Uh, and so uh, our responsibility is, is to do the asking. Uh, we, I, it's our uh, responsibility to begin this process. If you, if you need something, it's your responsibility to begin the process of asking. If you need to find something, it's your responsibility to start the process of seeking. What does your word say? What does your spirit want? You have to seek for God and look for him. Amen. A lot of people never seek, never seek God's uh, will. I just want to do uh, Why are you doing that? I just wanted to. Well, you didn't ask the Lord about that? Well, no. I just want to do it. Well, you know, sometimes it's good to seek the will of God. It may be okay what you're doing. But it may not be okay what you're doing. <clears throat> you know, I had a guy call me up not long ago. He said, well... You know, I want to marry this woman. We've been dating, you know. And the only problem is she's married right now. What do you think about that? I think it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, how, you know, he's a Christian. How are you not seeking the will of God? Why are you dating a married woman? Well, you know, we love each other. I said, what's going to keep her from doing to, to you the thing that she's doing to her husband? I mean, you know, she's, sleep, she's sleeping with you. But she's married. What do you think if, you, if she gets a divorce and you get married to her? You think that she's going to stop doing that? I'm reformed. Really? No, you're not. <laughs> Seek and you'll find. Well, Lord, what, what should I do in this case? That should take about five seconds to answer that question. Should I continue dating this married woman or not? I mean, that, how long should it take to figure out that answer, right? I'm not mad at him. You know, I was nice to him, but I, I still said, well, you know, I said, well, I don't know if I said the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, but I did tell him what's going to keep her from, from doing the same thing to you that she's doing to her husband. Amen. You know, sometimes we act like, what? There's, there's some things are not rocket science, right? I mean, some things are hard to discern. Most of life is not. Why are you doing that? Well, you know, I have needs, you know. I love her. Well, you didn't love her the first time you walked by her? The first time you walked by her, she said, I'm married. Can we, can we sleep together? They had, no. You walk, you run. You would have never fallen in love with her if you hadn't spent, you know, the time with her to do that. And so when she says, you know, I'm not really, I'm, you know, kind of already married, you, you run away. You run. You don't walk away. You run. Amen. As if in terror. Amen. And so, see, it, but you've got to seek. Seek the will of God. Seek the plan of God for your life. If you do that, he will show you, I don't ever know what God wants me to do. Well, you're not seeking. Because he said, if you'll seek, you'll find. Amen. People, Christians wander through life. I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just, well, then pray. He said he would show you. He doesn't ever show me anything. Then you're not seeking. Because either he's lying or you're lying. He never lies. If you seek, I guarantee you'll find. You mean I can just seek and he'll find? That's what he says. He'd have to be a, 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 a liar to not do what he says. And knock. Well, you know, when God when he closes one door, he opens up a window. You know people across the windows are? They're thieves, right? People breaking in and stealing. Uh, Jesus said, it's the shepherd who walks through the door. Amen. The people will climb over the fence. You know, they're, they're robbers. Amen. <clears throat> in fact, we were, we were in um, 
uh, me and Jared were in uh, Ireland one time, uh, and uh, uh, we were at a friend's house, but he had locked himself out of his house. Uh, and so uh, 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 there was a fence there, so Jared's like, I can, I can scale the fence. I said, Jared, what does John 10 say? You know, John 10 says, if you climb over the fence, you're a thief and a robber. <laughs> so, uh, but <clears throat> he said, if you knock, it'll be open to you. Lord, I, I need to get through this. You know, just because a door is locked doesn't mean that's not, not your path. I don't care if a door is locked or not locked. If it's my path, I'm going through that door. Yeah. I, I am not deterred by obstacles in life. So many people in life, when they come up to an obstacle, they go, oh, I guess God didn't want me to have that. And they hang a sharp left. Or they go hang a sharp right. Instead of going through the locked door, they, they decide that that's not God's will because they've made some observation in the natural world and determined that God's will is for me not to have that or do that or see that or, or own that or whatever because of, of an obstacle. You know, I find out what the will of God is first. And then if there's an obstacle, I will speak to the mountain. If there's a locked door, I will command it to open. And I will knock and it will open. I'm not, I'm not, I don't change my life based on the circumstances that come into my life. I stay the path. I stay the course that the Lord has given to me. And if something's in the way, I will pray and have it removed. Uh, and, and sometimes it's just by the name of Jesus, by the authority that the Lord has given to me as a child of God, I can exercise my authority. But sometimes you've got to find out, oh Lord, there's a locked door here. Let's find out, what do you want me to do with this locked door? Go through it. Okay. Uh, get it unlocked. Okay. No problem. Uh, then once I know, once I seek your will and find your will, then I know what to do with the locked door. Uh, the locked door has got nothing, it, it's got nothing to do about anything to me. Uh, I don't decide the will of God by these, these things I arrive at in my life. And much of the church does. Well, you know, God must be getting something, ready to do something big in my life because the devil's really acting up. You know, oftentimes we are led by the, the, by the work of the devil. Well, you know, I, I've been sick. The Lord must be really ready to get, be doing something big in my life, you know. Uh, well, the door must be locked. I guess God wants me to go some other, some other way. Why can't you ask him? Why can't you seek and find out what he really wants? Who cares if the door's locked? Who cares if there's no window? Who cares if there's no door? Just go through. I mean, Jesus walked through walls sometimes. Amen? It doesn't matter. The, the obstacles of life got no bearing on the will of God for me. And, and, and if he's got a will for me to, to go down a certain path, then there's nothing that, that, will, that will hinder that path. And now, Paul did say one time in, in particular... He was going somewhere, and it says Satan hindered us, so we couldn't go. And I always thought that was interesting. That, uh, why didn't Paul do something about that? But, you know, it depends on, on the situation, because if it's dealing with other people, sometimes that can hinder you. I remember Jesus went to, to Nazareth, his own hometown, and it says he could there do no mighty works because he marveled at their unbelief. Well, so, so the will of God was to heal in a spectacular way, but the will of God was hindered by the will of other people. And so sometimes, you know, other people can, can uh, slow down the work of God. I mean, you think about how long did it take him to create everything? S six days, right? I mean, it's not even seven days. Seven days, seven days he rested, so it took him six days to create everything. Well, well, how big is everything? How big is the universe? You know, we don't know. They said they, they, they got that new telescope, uh, the James Webb uh, telescopes, uh, James Webb Space Telescope out in, you know, it's like a million miles from Earth, <clears throat> and sitting out there in space. They say, so, you know, uh, we've got this Hubble telescope over here that's orbiting the Earth right now, and we've looked at, you know, certain spots of the sky, and, you know, and we, we get the results back from the Hubble telescope, and it's just black, just nothing. 
And they said, well, there's nothing there. So there's other fancy uh, telescope. It's even more powerful than the, James, than the Hubble telescope. And they said, well, let's point at that same black spot in the sky that was nothing there a minute ago. And they found trillions of stars and, and planets and galaxies. And, and so they don't know. They'll tell you, oh, there's nothing there. Well, there's nothing there because you can't see it. doesn't mean there's nothing there. Amen. And they get a bigger telescope and they go, wow, there's a lot of stuff there. So we don't really know how big the universe is. They, they, when, whenever these scientists say they, this is how things worked, it's just like, whatever, you know. I, you read some of these things, well, you know, about evolution. They say, well, you know, women can see the, the color red better than men. Because, you know, back in the day when we were all cavemen and women, the women had to go out and hunt and gather fruits and vegetables. And so the, the red helped them see the things they weren't supposed to eat better than the men. You just made that up. You weren't there. You don't know. You made it up. Well, that's it. You don't, you don't, you're just making stuff up. You know, so much of science is not science. It's just, just people's philosophy. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I was trained to be an engineer, so I, I'm a little touchy about stuff like that. I want, where's the evidence? You know, and, and even they got evidence, like, where'd that come from? Well, we made that up. We made up the evidence. Well, that's not really evidence then. You're making stories up. Amen? All the stuff about global warming, all that, you know, we're not going to get all that stuff. But most of it's made up. If you actually find out what all the details of data they have for global warming, it's mostly it's made up. Yeah, the earth does change in temperatures on occasion like that, but it's been doing that as long as the earth has been the earth. Times and seasons, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there's a volcano that ignited, that went off uh, earlier last year, and they said it put like a trillions of gallons of water in the air and it's going to cause the earth to heat up for a, maybe a decade or more. And they forgot that this giant uh, volcano uh, went off a year ago yeah, the earth is coming to an end. Don't believe any of those lies. You know, the Lord created the earth uh, to be an amazing uh, planet, amen? <clears throat> and we really can't hardly mess it up. I mean, we should treat it well, and I have no problem with, not, uh, tr- with, with treating it well at all. But we don't worship it. It's not Mother Earth at all. It's, it's here for my benefit. It's not, I'm not here for its benefit. It's here for my benefit. Uh, and if we get that balance in there, we'd be okay. <clears throat> so, uh, my, so I have a responsibility to do the asking, to do the knocking, to do the seeking. My, that's my responsibility. And God then is, is required by his word, because he made this covenant, right? He didn't have to say this. He made the covenant, I will respond this way. And so that's, that's, that's the covenant. That's the agreement that we have with him. If you ask, I'll, I'll respond. If you seek, I'll respond. If you knock, I'll respond. Well, I don't want, I, I'm not really comfortable asking. Well, then live without. I'm not really comfortable with seeking. Well, then do without. Get it on your own. Uh, but don't expect the Lord to violate his word. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like asking. Okay, well, for you then, since you don't want to ask, I'll just give it to you anyway. He, you know, he's not that way. He doesn't play that way. He's God. He makes the rules. We shouldn't require that he changes his rules for our lack of faith. And much of the time, the church wants the Lord to change his rules and to overlook our lack of faith and to give, give us things anyway that we have need of, uh, whether, whatever it is, wisdom or, or healing or, or prosperity, whatever the thing we have need of. We, we, we want him to give it to us with, uh, without us uh, operating according to his covenant. That's really disrespectful. He's God. He's the God Almighty. He's the one who wrote these things to us and, and didn't have to do these things, right? He could have just said, you know, when, when Adam fell, he could have just wipe him out and start it over. He doesn't do it that way. He lays these things out. He's given us great ability to obtain the things we have need of. Uh, and all we have to do is follow his plan. It's not hard. Do you really know him? If you knew him, you know he wants to bless you. People say, you know, well, God put sickness on me. Have you ever met him? If you knew the Lord, 
at all, you would know he would never put sickness on it. And in fact, uh, he, he goes right in the next verses, and it'd be good for us to, to continue there. He says in verse 9, he says, Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And so, to me, the verses 9 through 11, they're really great verses. Because oftentimes, people will, will pull out, uh, what is it, in, it's Isaiah, uh, I just wrote this verse down here, Isaiah 55, 9, uh, they'll quote this verse, right? They'll say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so they use this verse, Isaiah 55, 9, to say, well, when God puts sickness on you, that's because his ways are higher than your ways. No, that's you lying on the Lord. Because Jesus said, look, the way that I operate with you is, is exactly the way you operate with your children, except better. And, and that's really, that, that's the analogy he's making, that I'm just like you, except better. Well, well wouldn't, what would a good father do for his children? Whatever they have need of, right? Help them in any way they could. And Jesus said, and, and you know, who, who made this analogy? Jesus said, he said, what man is there among you? If his, if his son asks bread, he will give him a stone. Ha, 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 I know you're hungry. Here's a rock. Ha, 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 it's not funny, Dad, right? I mean, no kids are going to go, thanks, Dad. Uh, oh, you're so wise, Dad. I must really needed a stone. I know I, I asked for bread, but your ways are higher than my ways, so I asked for this, but you, know, you didn't give that to me. You gave me this thing over here, so I must need that stone. How many times have you heard people say stuff like that? Well, I know I, needed, I, needed, I asked the Lord for this, but you know, uh, 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 he didn't give it to me, so he must have something better for me. Don't you love that one? You were not in, a, in an ounce of faith ever. Don't lie on the Lord. He's not taking your request because Jesus said, I'll take your request and I'll respond exactly what your request is. I don't take your request and, and look at it and observe it and have a committee meeting about requests and go, you know, they really don't need that. They need this thing over here. I know they asked for this, but that, that's not what they need. They really need this thing over here. So, you know, we're, that's what we're going to give them. We're not going to give them that. But see, people never get that thing over there. God must have something better for me. Okay, well, let me know when he gives it to you because nobody ever gets it because it's not faith. It's not faith that says, well, I asked for something, but God didn't give me that. He's going to give me something better. That's, there's no scripture that says that. I know he does say that he'll give us uh, uh, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it's going to be in line with what you ask for. But a lot of people say, well, you know, I asked for healing when God decided not to heal me. He must have something better for me. You know, people say stuff like that all the time, but that's not what it says. He said, use the analogy just like, you're, just like uh, if you had children, how would you respond to your children? I'm going to do whatever I can for them. Whatever they ask. If I, if, as long as it's not unethical or immoral or fattening, I, I will help them. Maybe if it's fattening, I'll let them slide. But, you know, if the other ones, I, I can't do that, right? But if they ask for good things, if it's in my power to do it, I would do it. And, and every parent is that way. Every good parent is that way. Well, well, the Lord is making this exact same analogy. So you're not making this, my ways are higher than your ways, and so that means you can't understand them or relate to them. They're, they're, so, they're so complicated and so above your understanding that you can just never understand why I did what I did because my ways are higher than you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, my way, I'm just better than you. And he is better than us. Isn't he better than us? He's like the perfect father. 
Now, I, I, you know, I was a pretty good father, but I was like maybe 99.5% perfect. You know, I mean, I wasn't 100% perfect, but, you know, uh, you know, I told all my kids they won the parent lottery, right? Uh, and uh, that's not bragging on me. Well, actually, it's entirely bragging on me, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, and so, because uh, I did the very best I could. I wasn't perfect, but, but my heart was to do right by my kids. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't manipulative with them. I wasn't, uh, I was trying to help them all, all that I could. Amen. And the Lord says, that's great. I'm better than that. I would do one better than that. Uh, because sometimes it asks for things. I, I don't have the ability to answer, the, to, to give you that. Now, very few times that ever happened. Uh, uh, but, you know, in fact, I don't know if there was ever a time that it actually didn't happen because the Lord has blessed us with great things and been able to be good to our, our kids. But just think about if there's ever a time when you couldn't do it for your kids when you know you wanted to. Uh, well, yeah, my, my, my daughter did ask for a horse one time. I think it's about the only thing I ever told her no. I'm like, what am I going to do with a horse? I live in a city, right? I mean, you know, and you got a horse, it's like a child. You got to go feed the thing. I mean, Jerry's got horses. I'm glad Jerry's got horses. And later on, Jerry said, you know, you could have kept it at my barn. Shut up, Jerry. Don't tell her that. She'll think she has a way in. No, because what will end up happening is I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and feed the horse. I'm going to get up, you know, and find a farrier. And, you know, I don't want to do that, you know. And so, and to be honest, it was completely entirely selfish on my part. But, you know, I still told her no. that, you know. But see, uh, see if the Lord, and I told her, I said, I hope, I hope that you get, if you really still want a horse, I hope with all that's in me that you get a horse. Ask the Lord for a horse, and he'll find a way to get you a horse. You know, I don't want a horse. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if you, now, if you want, yeah, let's see, Jerry has horses. I'm glad that Jerry has horses. I'm glad he loves having horses. I, I mean, I would rather have anything in the world except for a horse, right? I'm just looking at my dog. It's like, you're like a horse. You know, I was like, he just, I mean, I love my dog, but it's like, you know, you got to keep, you got to feed him. It's like, what do you want? You got to go again? I mean, and so uh, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, it's okay, right? Uh, so, so Jesus, in verses 9 through 11, and when he said being evil, he doesn't mean being terrible. It just means in relation to him, we are all evil, right? It's, it's relative in that regards. But verses 9 through 11 uh, tells us that, that when we think of God the Father, it should be it should be easy to understand how he wants to relate with us. When we get into these weird, well, God put sickness on me because he's trying to teach me something. Would you ever do that? Would you ever harm your child to teach him something? Put your hand, you know, put this, your hand on this hot stove. No, you'd be arrested and should be arrested and have your child removed from your presence because you're stupid, right? Uh, and so the Lord doesn't relate, relate to us. It should be easy to understand how the Lord wants to do for us. It should be easy for us to understand how the Lord wants to bless us because how would we bless those that we care about? We would do anything in our power and ability and our resources to assist that person in any way that we could if you really cared about him. Uh, And and so the Lord said, that's the way I am, except I'm I'm better than you. I'm better than all of you. I'm better than all you put together. And and that would be okay. Wouldn't it be okay if he was better than all of us? Amen. And so when people say these things about, well, God's ways are higher than our ways, yes, they are, because they're better. They're the same, but they're better. Amen? And, and is that what Jesus said? See, is this, is this, are these verses difficult to understand? Is he saying, well, my ways are higher than your ways, and you can just, when I'm doing something, if it's, you know, if I broke your leg, well, you know, it's, gonna, it's for a higher reason than, you know, the, the, than the... Than, than protecting you, it's better that I break your leg. Uh, what? No. <clears throat> that doesn't make any sense. 
And see, a lot of doubt and unbelief makes no sense. When people say things like that, you know, that, that God wants to harm you, that God, uh, well, you know, that accident must have been for a reason. Yeah, because you weren't paying attention. Or because the other person wasn't paying attention. Somebody wasn't paying attention. Every accident is caused by somebody not paying attention. Uh, and so uh, sometimes things happen because they happen. Sometimes there's no reason for it to happen. Uh, and so uh, we can avoid those things if we believe that the Lord has given his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways, lest we dash our foot against a stone. He told us that in the Old Covenant, right? Psalm 91. Is that not a true statement? How, how, how in the world would he grant uh, or require that his angels have charge over us to watch us and protect us to keep us in all of our ways, lest we even dash a foot against a stone? So not major life-threatening uh, problem, just a stubbed toe. He said, I, I've assigned angels to you to make sure you, you don't even do that. But I'm going to allow you to, to be near death over here. But most of the time, you know, the angels are going to be there except for when they're not. Well, that, you know, when you get to doctrine, it, it doesn't make any sense. How could he give us his angels to watch over us in the smallest things, but then he wants us to go through a near-death uh, accident that nearly killed us and put us in a hospital for months because his ways are higher than our ways. But over here, he told us that he would let his angels watch over us and protect us. You can't reconcile those two, th- th- those two thoughts. And yet so much of the church has just, just the dumbest thoughts about the Lord. And, and usually it's a way to mask our lack of faith. Well, it's not my fault that, I'm, that I'm always diseased. Not my fault that I'm always in an accident. Not my fault that, you know, all these things happen. And, and I listen to people in their lives and I'm thinking, uh, there's so many folks that, I, you know, you get to know and their life is just turmoil and hurricanes every day. And you, you peel back the curtain a little bit and you go, well, it's because you lie all the time. Because you cheat all the time. Because you lie all the time. And I'm not judging anybody, but, but they'll tell you, you know, one thing and to do something else. And they, they wonder, well, Lord, why is this? It must be your ways are higher than my ways. No, it's because you're just scoundrel and you don't want to repent. So don't blame the Lord for your, for your problems in life. Now, uh, has there ever been a bad thing happen to a perfectly good person? Sure, but if you go back, what was that good person believing? You know, there's a lot of moral people who have no faith. A lot of good people in the church who have no faith. Faith requires action on your part. It's not passive. It's active. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. You have to do your part. Just because you're a good person doesn't mean the devil doesn't, try to, uh, doesn't desire to kill you. The devil will kill everybody who gives him an inch. Uh, and so we have to actively believe God that, you, Lord, you've given your angels charge over me. Amen? And, 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 and I talk to the angels sometimes. Things happen. Hey, you guys need to straighten up. Do your job. You know, if something's figuring out, you need to let me know. And, and that's their job. Because that's what the Word says. I'm not making stuff up. That's what the Word says. He gave his angels charge over me. And I, and, and I go to the Lord, Lord, what am I doing to cause, cause these things? Because if, if more than one bad thing happens in, in a row in my life, I'm going to the Lord. Because, Lord, you promised me protection. You promised me these things. And so where am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And then I see then I can straighten up. And then, then I'm back in, in the protection and the blessings of the Lord. But, but much of the church is like, well, you know, uh, just all these bad things happen. Well, have you ever asked the Lord why they're happening to you? He just must, his ways are higher than my ways. Yeah, they're better than your ways. They're better than my ways. Amen. And so, I, I, you know, I like, I, like these, uh, I like these verses, especially 9 through 11, because uh, he, he's boiling it down to a way that we can understand it, we can relate to. 
And if we, if we try to uh, lie against these verses, how many times has the church lied against these verses? God's ways are so complex and so complicated uh, that, uh, that, that we just can't understand them. I don't believe that at all. Now, how he does things and, and the amount of work he'll go, I mean, you think about the plan of redemption. He spent thousands of years strategizing and, and making sure that, that, that the bloodline of Jesus made it all the way up to Jesus. Now, how he can do that is way beyond my ability, right? Uh, so he's way better at that than I, because of me, uh, the first time there was a Rahab, or you know, Rahab actually was all right, you know, in the end, but Tamar, you know, uh, incest or, you know, murdering, and stuff, I'd be like, just, I'm done with you all. I'm just done with you all. But he, he persevered and had long suffering for humanity to get Jesus into the earth. Amen. And so his ways are higher than my ways. They are. But, they're, they're, but I should be able to understand his ways. Amen. I should be able to look at it and go, that is obviously God. And I should be able to look at this up here. That is obviously not God. Because a, a father would never do that. But a father would do this. And so it should be easy to understand the ways of God. And when people, when people say those things, it's just, it's, most of the time, it's just a way to mask the fact that they just don't want to believe God. And that's fine. But you should own that. Yeah, I don't believe God. Okay, fine. I, I don't know how to pray. Fine. I had somebody tell me, you know, not long ago, I just have a hard time with faith. Fine. You're lying, but fine, right? Uh, because faith is easy. I mean, if I told you I'd be there tomorrow, would you believe that I'd be there tomorrow? If you knew me, you'd, be, you'd believe I'd be there tomorrow. Well, if the Lord says that if you ask, I'll give it to you. Was he lying? I mean, is he, is he making things up? He's not making things up. So faith is not hard. People act like it's hard. But see, they're saying it's hard. That way they don't have to actually have faith. They're trying to, to have an excuse for not doing the word of God. And, and see, they think when they, get to, when they get to heaven and stand before the Lord, they'll say, why don't you believe God? It was hard. You know, I mean, I'm just glad that I'm not the Lord. I'd be like, I gave you 66 books. I gave you my spirit on the inside of you. You're telling me it was too hard to believe what I said, even though I told you on the inside by my spirit that I'm, that I'm not a liar. I will do exactly what I said every single time. You're telling me that, that you couldn't believe the simplest things. It was too hard. Don't you ever say that again, right? Don't you ever say it's, it's hard to believe. People say all the time, it's so hard to have faith. It's the easiest thing in the world to have faith. Do you know the Lord? Have you met him? It's easy to have faith. Just read his word. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Have you never read his word? It's so hard to read the Bible. There's so many translations. You could read, you know, I don't like the King James. Fine. I'll give you 10 more translations you can read easily. Well, that sounds like hard work. Well, turn the TV off and read it. I can't miss my show, you know, whatever, you know. But people, you know, people live that way, right? You know, when you start, when you start uh, peeling back, what's the issue? The issue, they're just lazy. The issue is they don't want to be, they don't want to be responsible at all to, ha- to do their part. They just want to push everything into the sovereignty of God so that they have no responsibilities in this life. And there's some people just that way. They never want to be responsible. You know, if you ever tried, you, you ever been around people that uh, you need some help? And it's like every time you need them, they just won't, they won't help. They could help. They have the ability to help. But it's just like there's something in them. They never want to be responsible to be faithful to help somebody. And so, hey, I need you to come. If you could come every Monday morning at 8, at 8 o'clock for like the next month, I really need to help. And they'll be there the first Monday, and after that, they won't be there. 
and it might be that the third Sunday, third uh, Monday, the fourth. But they just they just so hard for them to to uh, be faithful over anything because they don't want any responsibility. I'm kidding you. That person will never be a person of faith because faith requires faithfulness. And if you can't be faithful in the natural things, you will never be faithful in the spiritual things. And people that, that struggle so much in faith, I can guarantee you, I just look at their life and say, well, it's obvious they don't have any faith because they can't show up at 8 o'clock on Monday for the next four weeks. I mean, they'll be there at 8.10, 8.11. They might not even be there. Might be there at 9 o'clock. Well, you know, I was busy, you know, whatever. You said he'd be there at 8. Well, I know. But they don't want, they don't want to be responsible in any way. People like that, faith and faithfulness are, are, are twins. In fact, it's the same word in the Greek, faith and faithfulness, right? Same word. Uh, and so it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's odd to me that Christians aren't the most faithful people in the world. If you say you're going to be there at some time, you should be there at some time. I know things happen, right? So it's not about the legalism of it. it. It's what's your heart. If it's important to you, you'd be there. Amen? If I told you I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And, and if I double book, I'll call you and say, hey, I double booked, you know, uh, sorry, I, I, got, I can't, I'm not God, I can't be two places at the same time. Can we reschedule? I mean, it's not, it, so it's fine, but, you know, but just the unfaithfulness of, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. I mean, I've got I, people I know that, uh, some people I know if they say that, I'd put money, they won't be there tomorrow. Because a lot of times they'll say that to you because they don't want you to feel bad because they, they know they're going lay to it, lay it out anyway. But they'll lie to you and, and know, they know they're not going to be there. They, uh, and so, but they'll make up some excuse yeah, and say, well, the Lord doesn't operate that way. If he said, ask and you'll receive, what's he mean? Ask and you'll receive. You see, uh, he's not that way. You should strive to be very faithful in this, in this natural life. Faithful in your job and your marriage and, and, and whatever things that you do at church, right? I mean, church is always a good way to express faithfulness, right? Uh, if you say you're going to be there, then you should be there, right? Uh, I ran sound for 20 years, and, and uh, I didn't just not show up to run the sound. If I was going to be out of town, I talked to people. Hey, I'm going to be out of town. Can you run the sound this day? I never left anybody hanging for 20 years, right? Every service, three services a week, I ran the sound. And if I wasn't running the sound, somebody was responsible to run the sound when I was gone. I did just not show up, right? Uh, and so I'm not mad at anybody, but, it just, but these are, these are uh, symptoms of issues in people's lives, amen? And they wonder why God doesn't respond to them they want to. Well, we need to, we need to operate like God, amen? We're, well, we're out of time. We gotta, uh, the, the next step is the golden rule. You anybody ever heard the platinum rule? The world's trying to up God by, by using the platinum rule. We're going to talk about the platinum rule next week because it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. But, you know, they're trying to, because the world's always trying to, to do away with God. We hate God. And when the world says the platinum rule, what they're saying is we hate God. And God is a liar and God is not so. And so we're going to come up with something better. We're smarter than God. Really? Is that right? I mean, people, are, you're so dumb, you don't even know how dumb you are compared to the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so, of course, the golden rule is not a biblical phrase. It's what we call it there, right? Uh, but we'll get into that. Because it's really, it's, it actually is helpful. And it is the golden rule because if you can live this way, it's a great way to live. Amen? The world hates it because they don't hate the fact that you should live that way. They hate the fact that God said you should live that way. Uh, and so because they hate God, the world hates God. And so they will try to come up with, with or the platinum rule, you know. And they'll say, well, you know, the golden rule is just kind of old-fashioned, you know. It's like the stupidest thing, you know. People are so dumb. And sometimes the church gets caught up in that too. Oh, we need to go to the platinum rule, right? Uh, and so anyway, it's, uh, the, wor- the world hates, hates the Lord, hates the Word of God. 
and they will do everything in their power to get rid of it. Amen. Uh, well, uh, I can guarantee you, if you'll live diligently by the, by the principles of the Word of God, walking in love, walking in faith, and, and everything else the Word says, you will have a great and a, and a wonderful life in this earth. And uh, some people won't like it, but it doesn't matter. Amen. Uh, as long as you're concerned, you're okay. Uh, and, and so when we start changing the Word of God to, to go along with, with uh, current trends of society, uh, uh, the Lord is not pleased, amen? Uh, you know, the, the Lord is the Lord, amen? Uh, and uh, he set these rules and regulations down uh, from before the foundation of the world, he said. And they are plenty sufficient and plenty uh, relevant for us to operate by these rules today. Ask and you shall receive. It's perfectly fine to live that way, Amen. Well, we have new revelation. No, you don't have a new revelation of that. that. That's the same revelation that's been around forever, and it should never have to change. Amen? Uh, and so, so let's make sure that we don't do anything that tries to remove our responsibility. Well, Lord, I just want you to do everything for me. So that's removing my responsibility. And oftentimes we'll do that uh, to, to try to remove any, uh, uh, anything from the Lord where he is looking at us and, and asking us, did you do what I asked you to do? Because he's going to ask you, did you, did you do what I asked you to do? What did you ask me to do, Lord? I asked you to ask, to seek, and to knock. Did you do any of that? Well, Lord, it was hard. And, and we will try to get out of it, right? The world, uh, and even much of the church, is always trying to think of a way, how, how can I justify me not doing the word of God? And I guarantee you, it will, it will never work. Amen? Best thing, in, best thing you do, if you did not do, live up to the word of God, is fall upon his mercy. Lord, I did it. I was lazy. I didn't want to do it. it. It was too hard on my flesh. And I'm just asking for mercy. That, you know, that, that's your only play when you get to heaven, right? The only play is mercy, the mercy rule. And uh, I don't want to live by the mercy rule because it may work, it may not work. Amen. But I can, I can guarantee you that the faithful rule always works. Lord, yes, I did exactly what you said. And you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful servant, right? Faithful servant walks in faith. Um, and so, uh, now we're not, uh, uh, I sure wasn't trying to beat anybody up today. I'm hoping that uh, you didn't take it that way, right? Because uh, if you follow his word, it's all good. Amen? It's all good. The thing that bothers me is when people try to excuse uh, that they don't have to follow the word of God. And it does rile me up a little bit because you're, you're saying that the word of God does not apply to you. And therefore, it doesn't apply to everybody. Uh, and that's changing what the word of God says. And so, yeah, I do get a little bit, um, <clears throat> um, I don't know. Righteous about it, I guess, you know, so <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, praise God. Can we ask and, and receive? Can we seek and find? Can we knock and the door be open to us? Is the Lord just like us except better? Who created us? The Lord did. He created your spirit, so that means you're just like him, you know, and if you would live entirely by your spirit, you'd be exactly like him. Uh, and so he made your spirit. He made us. That's why there's such a natural drive in humanity to be good to, to children and be good to people around us. Amen? It's only when, when the world twists that and, and tries to get that out of there, you know, well, we need to change all of our kids. That's the dumbest thing, you know? What in the world? It's evil. It's of the devil. Amen? It's so evil and of the devil. <clears throat> because God would never do that. God made you, made you a boy, made you a girl. You should always be a boy or, or, or a girl, whatever he made you. You know, you weren't assigned that at birth. You were created that way. Amen? From the heavens. Uh, and so all these lies the world goes on. Uh, and look, just, there's always going to be stupid people in the world, but it just seems like there's really, really stupid people in the world right now. I mean, like PhD-level stupidity in the world right now. I mean, you know, in, in, 
professional, impressively stupid people in the world today. Uh, but that's always going to be the case. So let's pray and thank the Lord for our word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word. Father, we thank you that you're so kind to us that you said that if we ask that you'll, that you'll give. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. And, Lord, then you should, you're just like us, Father, except better. Uh, if, we, if we desire to be kind to our children, how much more, Father, will you be kind to us? If we, if we desire to be good to our children and to, to give them things, how much more, Father, will you do that for us? When our children ask for things, how much is it our desire to give them exactly what they ask for, Father, and not trick them and to give them something they didn't ask for? Uh, Father, you're just like us because you made us, Father, and really, uh, we're just like you. Uh, and Father, we thank you that you are the perfect and the great example for us to be like. And we will follow that perfect and good example all the days of our life. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We choose to seek. We choose to ask, Father. We choose to knock. And Father, by faith, we believe that we receive that which we, we've asked for, Father. Because you said we would. And we thank you for these. And we give you the praise and the honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And, um, you know, in the church, I just hear, I hear so many things that are so disrespectful to the Lord. And it, and it does bother me for the church. You know, the, the world, I don't care. You know, they're, they're, they hate God. You know, that's none of my business. But in the church, I hear so much doubt and unbelief about the Lord that uh, it, 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 it is wearying sometimes to hear people say things about the Lord that are just not true. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, it, I don't dwell on it all that much, but in, in interacting with people and I hear them say things that are just not true. Uh, and, and it bothers me for them as much as anything because I think, well, if you just knew the Lord, like you ought to know the Lord, you would never say that. You would never say the Lord put that thing upon you, right? You would never say things like that. Um, you would always say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Mm-hmm. Amen? Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So, Father, we do thank you. That it's a blessing to give. Father, you've been so good to us and kind to us to grant us uh, income, Father, and and ways to to, uh, increase our financial status, Father. You've given us good jobs, Father. You've given us good means to to make an income. And so, Father, with thankfulness and gratefulness, we give back to you, give back to you, Father, that which you've given to us. And so we thank you, Father, that as we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over some men, given to our bosom. We thank you that you said it, Father, and if you said it, then it's so. And we give you the praise for it, Father, the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jaron, receive the offering. So don't forget, uh, today we have uh, healing school at 3 o'clock, and uh, we have been going through uh, T.J. McCrossin's book uh, called Bodily Healing and the Atonement. <clears throat> and he's, he's basically making the case that healing was bought and paid for at the cross, which it was, right? And yet, in his day, when he wrote the book, there was a big push from the intellectuals in the church that, that healing ended uh, when Jesus died, or maybe when the apostles died, uh, and that supernatural healing was no longer for the church because it wasn't bought and paid for at the cross, which is kind of dumb, but, you know. Uh, but they made intellectual cases for that, and so he's making a better intellectual case from the Word of God that that's not so. Uh, and so it's a good book, uh, but, of course, it's nearly 100 years old now. But there was a lot of smart people 100 years ago. You know that, right? It's always impressive how intelligent these people were. So praise God. We'll, have, we'll be here today at 3 o'clock. Uh, have a wonderful week, and you're dismissed.